Well, well, hello, adventurers. It's me, Una, seer to Lord Dekion himself. Well, until Dabry and I realized he was a toxic manipulator bent on world domination. As was Lord Palace, now that I think of it. Ugh, what a jerk. This episode was made possible by our supporters and patrons. J.D. Rose, Daniel Nichols, Haley Munez, Brian Dowling, Storm Cone, Rory Richardson, John O'Dell, Mike Schofield, and Jolene Fresquez. Join us supporting the show at patreon.com slash dicetowertheater or raising your own army of undead to command for your mighty... <clears throat> Sorry, I got a little excited. Last episode, we met our new dragon friends, like Cogrius. Ogirus. Ogirus. But I also... I... I see someone falling out of the sky like a dying dove with twisted wings. Wings. Donald Dragons, Season 4, Episode 8, Wings of Fire. An old shepherd stood on a quiet hillside in the northeast of Trull. He'd been watching the shadow of the Dark Army approach the ruins of Garnet Keep for the past three days. Though seeming slow in their preparations, there was a method behind their madness. He had warned some friends joining the rebellion a few days ago that he had seen them building up for an attack. Hopefully, the heir of Garnet Keep was prepared. He thought of those old days when Lucilius Kettlebane and the Six Wind watched over the land before those they protected turned on them. He scratched the dusty, tan and gray head of his guest's trusty pet jackal. <laughs> them were the best times, weren't they, boy? Yes, I know. Go, cool, boy. Go fetch your Master Shimi. I want to talk with him about... What? What is it? Oh, my. A brilliant glint caught his eye from the sun behind him. Bursting from the lower cloud bank, he saw what appeared to be a brilliant bronze ball that glittered as it plummeted towards the earth a few miles between himself and the approaching dark army. Thin wisps of trailing clouds followed closely, like a falling star. Benedict remembered falling. Her great wings, tattered and torn, flapped aimlessly behind them. She lifted him from the harness on her back and pulled him into her arms, like a mother would a small child. Semri's voice echoed in his mind as they plummeted down through the endless skies. We will be okay. Trust me, Benedict. I swear, I will not fail you. The smell of the crushed grasses beneath him was sweet-smelling, mixing with the settled dust on the breeze. The sky was now darkening as he opened his eyes and slowly turned his head to see the soft meadow they lay in. Crickets were beginning their song in the tall grasses, surrounded by scattered birch and aspen trees. Looking past the edge of the tree's natural line, he could see the war fires of the camp now a mile or so out, he guessed. Beyond that was the setting sun over the mountains. More importantly, 
Garnet Keep was now mere miles away and up the pass on the other side. He stopped to listen. No movement. No scouts. Well, he hoped. A labored breath came from behind him. Lying there in her human form was Semri. Her wise and kind face was marred by the scars of battle. Her breath was labored and raspy. Her chest heaved slightly and shook with each breath. Realization set in heavily. Her life was leaving her. He gently placed his hands on her dirt and bloodied cheeks. Night Lord, please heal this servant of justice. Protect her as she protected me. Semri smiled at Benedict as he helped her to stand up and survey the land. Well, I suppose there could have been worse places to land in. And they didn't take notice of our little skydive. <laughs> we will need to get to Garnet Keep soon. They will be there by tomorrow, I imagine. <clears throat> She took a deep breath and tensed. Frustrated, she stormed away a few steps to try again. Sighing, finally she returned to Benedict. I cannot return to my natural form, Benedict. With these injuries, we will have to get to Garnet Keep by foot. Hopefully, Ariat will be there. He, he can help me. He knows the way. Benedict nodded and felt a wave of deep fear enter him. We're going to have to sneak past the entire dark army. Hmm. Time to make Zorn and Zane laugh, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> it's okay, little one. Go ahead. The wide-eyed girl stood with her mouth agape as Ariat lowered his great golden head to her. Despite the draconic visage, his characteristic mustaches wavered from the corners of a gently smiling maw. His golden eyes were still kind, despite the head being much larger than the young girl. <laughs> it's okay. Cordelia looked around. Remembering the last few minutes since they landed in the courtyard, mounted on four large dragons. Elon and Elodie moved the awestruck crowd out of the way to allow them to land. <laughs> Including myself. But the looks on the faces of the children. Cordelia will remember the most, I believe. All eyes fell on the gold, brass, and copper dragons and made everyone gasp and stare wide-eyed. All of us but the children. Come on! Daniel, no! 
Come back here. They just laughed and fearlessly danced up to them, giggling and smiling, ignoring the quiet protests of their parents, enchanted by magnificence and grace. One in particular had a tribal design of brown henna across the bridge of her nose, below her deep blue eyes and blonde tresses. She had approached Aryat with wonder. Holding up a single hand, Aryat dropped his huge head to look at her with his characteristic smile on one side of his face. Cordelia smiled as she bowed slightly while standing next to the teenager. I felt the same way too. He's here to help us. The girl just beamed, wordlessly smiling at Cordelia before turning her gaze back to Aryat. What's your name? Her name is Eddie. She, uh, she doesn't speak. Go ahead, Eddie. He's a friend. Welcome home, Cordelia. Oh, Zorn. I missed you. Oh, and I you. (laughs) Eddie placed her hand gently on the muzzle of the gold dragon. His eyes closed slightly before he politely pulled back and transformed into a familiar human form. And he gasped slightly in shock, as did the other children. Wow, cool. Hello, Eddie. Wonderful to meet you. (laughs) If you'll excuse me. Zoran, we bring ill tidings, unfortunately. I... Ariat looked at Cordelia's face as the happiness melted away leaving the cold reality in its place. Arya, don't... I... should tell him myself. Tell me what? It... He looked around. Two other dragons slowly took on human forms and walked by their riders, Dabri and Una. The copper dragon remained in his form, chuckling as children climbed on his back and neck while he lay prone next to a laughing Lorvana. Uh, where's Benedict? The voices carried through the night air from the nearby camp. Two shadows were working their way around the perimeter of the encampment, trying not to draw any attention to themselves, but far enough of a distance to where they felt as comfortable as possible in such grim company. Man, ogre, and orc were feasting around the many campfires. The heavy and familiar smell of a thick stew carried alongside it. Benedict's stomach growled. Semri smiled gently. Benedict, what is that wonderful smell? Just beans and ham, if I were to guess. Ah, <laughs> That makes sense. It has been a long time since I have tasted ham. I did enjoy it so, so very much. Before they all came. Samari? How long were you imprisoned in Emrook? It was a long time, to be sure. A decade in that dark dungeon, according to what we've been able to piece together. Though they took their time, they set that trap slowly and carefully. 
How do you mean? Well, it started well before that fateful day. Possibly 13 or 14 years, I believe, prior. <laughs> that would be a few years before you were even born, dear Benedict. We were guests and protectors of our friends, the Kobolds. Not rulers, mind you, but guardians. It was our service to travel to Enrook periodically and assist them with what we could. Guidance or the occasional building, we were treated as the experts and they all looked up to us. But... Her voice trailed off as she heard cackling from the camp. Memory washed over her mind briefly. Unpleasant memory of that cell they lived in for so long. The greasy walls and hot, humid air they shared clouded her emotions, leaving a hot pit in her heart. But what, Zimri? Please go on. There's no denying, my friend, that we... We were treated like royalty, and we grew accustomed to it. When Meldros came, he showed them another way. A way of money and commerce. They opened up trade routes with the barons, and the minotaurs of the north found a way with their shallow drafted ships to navigate to the once isolated city. We saw the signs, Benedict. But we ignored them. It was their actions and only affected them after all, not us. We just went about our way. We left and returned the following year. The arena was being built where one of the many temples once stood. No matter, we had many temples erected to us. To the good dragons. Soon they began to hold games there. Feats of strength and dexterity. And one day, an accident on the field as two kobolds locked in sparring led to one's death. The crowd cheered, yet still we ignored it. We were reminded it was not our way. A way that only costs a few lives, it seemed. No big matter. Over the years, our visits were met with less and less enthusiasm from our friends. We slowly faded out of their favor to this new arena. But there were a few dedicated who ensured we enjoyed all our previous luxuries. Unfortunately, keeping us blind to what was happening around us over those years, then Pallas and Decion returned, with that crown, and our cousins. She paused for a moment as they carefully stepped through the soft meadows, well outside the campfire line, shrouded in darkness. They could see the outline of huge hulking bodies now, on the far side of the camp. Thankfully, the unmistakable red and blue scales moved as they too enjoyed their feast before what they saw to be the eve of another great victory. There is no love between us dragons, Benedict. 
The metallic dragons took oaths long ago to uphold justice and balance throughout the land where we saw fit. <laughs> you see how comfortable we are in our other forms. Honestly, I rather enjoy it, getting to walk with someone such as you and discuss things in the world or share stories without it being awkward. <laughs> I have to say, if this wasn't the dire situation it is, with the current disagreeable company we have close by, and despite the searing pain in my back, I'd say this is a great evening, walking with a great friend. I agree. Thank you. So, what of the other dragons? Do they have human forms as well? Semri looked in the distance at the dragons of the Dark Army, remembering. Oh yes, Benedict. We all have another form. Though not all are human specifically, it just depends on the dragon and the people they interact with. You see, my home and elders believe the form is a gift. So we are actually weaned of our dragon form at the time we enter this world. How? She closed her eyes, remembering a not-too-pleasant memory. Well, actually, you saw something similar in the Defiler's Chamber beneath the temple. Through magic, the dragon essence is removed. The Dark Clerics used a similar method based on what they found out about our way. But whereas we just put to sleep that part of our being, waiting for the right moment to be discovered, they tapped it and tried to remove it altogether for their own purposes. Our cousins believe, to my understanding, that the form is a weakness, and they prefer to use it only for stealth and deception. We believe we should walk the land with the various peoples for a time, before being granted our true form, to teach us... Humility. Yes. Well, that explains why each of you is so unique. Emir is so... different looking. <laughs> yes. My brother spent much of his time in the north of Kerr, embracing the culture of the desert nomads. I actually stayed on this continent, enjoying my time traveling through the Glen Valley and Darkovnia, but this was all hundreds of years ago. The weight of that statement listed on the night breeze gently as the two companions continued their journey. But then something shot through Benedict's mind briefly. Something familiar, but long forgotten until now. <sighs> I don't believe this. You said a crown? That palace had a crown. 
What did it look like? It has five gems, each representing one of our cousins. Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, Diamond, and Jet. They are all twisted together in snake-like tendrils of metal. The followers of the Dragon Queen believe it is the mark of her champion, and those dragons that follow her would gladly serve the bearer. There is no mistaking. It is the cursed crown of dragons. Have you seen it? Benedict paused, remembering Zane and the children in the old mine outside Alanatkan. When Zane placed it on his head, froze up, panicked, and... No, no, no. Are you okay, Zane? No one should put that on. We should go. Zane pocketed the crown, he remembered, carried it up until... Let me show you the darkness of my queen. He fell at the feet of Decion in Palace that fateful night. He could see the crown lying next to him now, in the rain and mud. Yes, I have seen it before. I suggest these trenches here we ensure are trapped and hidden. Agreed. Knowing their tactic, they will lead on the ground first. Before they bring the dragons. Their hope will be coming back... here. The ballistas will be the biggest threat to them in the air. I will help guard those. Good. Sounds like we have the best plan possible now. It was silent as I looked around the dim war room. It was great to have so many of us back and the advantage given with these great dragons who came to assist us in this time of need, though one was missing. My eyes fell on Alona. Her sandy blonde hair framed her blue eyes. A rose-colored lip trembled slightly in opposition to her clenched jaw. Excuse me. I watched Una, Kogiris, and the rest of the group step away to allow her to leave the room. Who could understand what was going through her head? The siege on her home. Her son missing. All these terrible memories now manifesting themselves again like a terrible dream. My heart went to her. I, I waved my hand. We can disperse for the night. May the night and maiden watch over us all on the battlefield tomorrow. Above all else, do not lose hope. Everyone began to leave. It was then I noticed Zoran standing by the window, looking out upon the courtyard. The giggles of children could be heard faintly as the parents gathered them to rest as well. I stepped next to my friend as I peered down to see Chaco speak kindly to each one, wishing them a good night. He's got the right heart to defend them. You made a wise suggestion, Zoran, keeping them here at the keep. Thank you. Kogiris, do you have a moment? He turned from leaving the room with Una, placing a gentle hand on her shoulder. She nodded in understanding as he came to join us. Yes, what do you need? Chacos. 
Is there a reason he refuses to change into his human form? I saw the moon of Kogiris darken slightly as he looked out into the twilight of the evening. He doesn't refuse to, my friend. He... He would if he could. What do you mean? When we polymorph between our forms, we speak something very special. A word. A word only we know. We learn it as we go on our journeys as young ones. We clad ourselves as humans or whatever, whatever people we wish to associate with. My baby sister, for example. Last we heard, she was traveling in the forests and the woods, searching for her word, no doubt dressed as an elf. You see, we have to learn to coexist with you all. Not just a mere suggestion. Our culture dictates it. The word comes to us when we least expect it. It just... is. And it's ours. And only ours. Individualized for each dragon. And what happened to Chacos? His eyes softened slightly as he looked again at his ancient friend saying goodnight to the children. Chaco stayed behind when we tried to escape Enruk many years ago. When Maldros and Palos turned the kobolds against us, they captured him with some new, dark magic, leaving him in his draconic form and wiping his mind of everything. Well, they tried to. But his will was too powerful, and he was able to hold on to one thing. Not a word, no, but a concept. And what was that? The last thing he ever promised anyone. That he would defend that hall from any enemies. When he was overrun, he was told we all had died. In guilt and grief from failure, he swore allegiance to the Kobolds and their new... friends. He agreed to stand watch and never let those escape who... who killed his friends. Who killed us not knowing. Zorin, can't you see? We, we thought he died. For ten years, we thought our brother had died. And we were actually only separated by a few yards in the stone walls of that dungeon. As it turns out, I guess, he thought we had too.
appearing in this episode. The Farmer, Joshua Thomas, Daniel, Logan Miller, The Parent, Darla Miller, Zoran, Cody Miller, Benedict, Brian Dowling, Semri, Melissa Kirsch, Ariat, Daniel Nichols, Cordelia, Jolene Fresquez, Dabria, J.D. Rose, Emir, Harlan Guthrie, Kogiris, David Tilstra, Chacos, Scott C. Brown, Zane, Storm S. Cohn, Una, Becky Atchley, Keldor the Narrator, Mike Atchley. Thank you for joining us in this episode of Dice Tower Theater's Dawn of Dragons. Please join us in thanking our magnificent cast for their performance, and their full list can be found in the show notes. If you would like a sticker from the show, please leave a review on any podcasting platform and send a screenshot to dm at dicetowertheater.com with a mailing address so we can send it to you. In the next and final episode, join us as we defend Garnet Keep from the Dark Army and who will rise to save us from an impending doom. Until then, fellow adventurers, remember the oath. Remember the oath. Remember the oath.